What's up, guys? Welcome to episode five of the Here to Evolve podcast. I'm Josh. And I'm Alessandra. And today we are going to be talking about how to build your own training and nutrition program. And we're also going to hit a little Q&A that we got um, some questions on earlier this week. But a little exciting news first. Yesterday we actually heard our baby's heartbeat for the first time. That was really exciting, kind of made everything a little more real. And this weekend, so in two days on Saturday, we have our gender reveal party. So I think, for me at least, that's where it's going to start being real. Is The heartbeat was awesome, it was very cool, but I think once you can kind of put a gender associated to it and you really start thinking about names, that's when everything's going to start sinking in. I thought it was a boy for so long and now I'm leaning a little bit more towards a girl this week. I don't know why. What do you think? I thought a boy right off the bat. I, I thought a boy from the start and then my aunt. Backstory. My aunt actually talked to my parents the night after we told them we were having a baby and told them that she thought we were with child. So she just had a feeling. She's very she's weird with this stuff. She has all these premonitions and they're always right, so it's crazy. So a few weeks into this, I think, maybe four weeks into this, I had a dream that I was talking to her and everything was pink and she just told me we were having a girl. So I woke up and I texted her. I'm like, hey, I just I had this dream that you told me we were having a baby girl. And she's like, oh, my God, Josh, last night I prayed that this would come to me in a dream. And I stepped back. I'm like, wow, that's, that is crazy because it did come to you in a dream. It just wasn't your dream. It was my dream. <laughs> so weird. But the other night I had a dream that it was a boy again. So we'll see what it turns out to be. But I've been told that it's always the opposite of what the mom thinks. So that just reaffirms that it's a girl, I guess. But we'll find out Saturday. So... In this podcast so far, the last few episodes, we've talked a lot about mindset and getting your mind right, which is obviously really, really important when it comes to your fitness goals. But today, we're going to dig in to training and nutrition a little bit more to give you guys a baseline on how to build your own training and nutrition program to start. So if you're listening to this, you probably have a pretty good idea of what you need to be doing in the gym. Actually, many of our our clients have the knowledge when it comes to proper training and nutrition. It's actually just executing it, holding yourself accountable. And that's that's the hardest part is going through, following through with it, sticking with it. Your training and nutrition don't have to be complicated. With all the information out there, it can seem really overwhelming. But when you sit down and write your own training program or decide what diet you should do, you know, we're going to break all that down for you in this episode. So why don't we start with training? Most people think you have to train five or six days per week for two hours at a time to really get good results. Most people also think you need cardio to transform your body and lose body fat. But are those things really necessary? So why don't we start with training? Most people think you have to train five or six days a week for two hours at a time to get good results. Most people also think you need cardio to transform your body and lose body fat, but are those things really necessary? Not quite. The truth is your training should fit your lifestyle, not take over your life completely. And in reality, every single person listening to this podcast right now is likely going to need a slightly different training program based on their schedule, how long they're able to give to the gym each day, and what level of fitness they're currently at. Where do you begin? Start with deciding how many days you want to and can make it to the gym. So you might want to get there six days a week, but four or five is what's actually realistic. Start with four or five. That's perfectly fine. You can still build an efficient program on those days. It's going to change the acute variables a little bit. But the most important thing is you start 
by just setting the days that you can realistically get there. So there's no reason you're not jumping up to six. If you can get six, if it's not six, if it's five, you need to get there for all the days. It truly depends on your schedule and your lifestyle, and that's not to say one is better than the other. It's all entirely about you. After you set your days, find out exactly how much time that you have to work out for each gym session. So if you have 45 minutes, you don't want to put in you know, an hour and 15 minutes worth of work, and then you're rushing through it, you're cutting your rest short, or you're cutting a couple sets off, just the same concept as setting your days, make it something realistic. Set your dedicated time to the gym each day and stick with that. The third thing that you want to do is exercise selection. So choose exercises that are efficient in pushing you towards your goals and aren't anything that cause you specifically pain or discomfort. So when I do this, I literally just take a piece of paper and I write down how many days I'm going to the gym and then under each day, I just make a list of which exercises I want to do for that day. When you're putting those things together, you're going to want to start with compound movements. So on leg day, that'd be like a squat or a deadlift and then finish off with more isolation work. So leg extensions or weighted step ups, leg curls, things like that. Always start with your heavier compound movements. There are cases in later programs where you want to switch that up as well. Um, that's something we can touch on in a later episode, but you kind of do like the reverse. You do all your isolation stuff first, so you're pre-fatiguing those big muscles before you go into those lifts. But right now we're sticking to the basics, so you're going to hit those compound movements first and transition into the isolation work later in the workout. Next, you want to decide on your training volume, so the sets and reps for each of those exercises. But before we dive into that, there's a couple things you want to consider. There's a couple concepts called minimum effective volume and maximum recoverable volume. So minimum effective volume is exactly as it sounds. It's the minimum amount of work that you can do that will effectively make your body adapt. So it's doing just enough to make your body start adapting. And then on the other side of that, maximum recoverable volume, same thing, exactly as it sounds, the maximum amount of work you could possibly do without overloading yourself and forcing you know, poor recovery. So the most you can do while still getting efficient results. Now where you wanna be is somewhere in the middle and a lot of the most effective programs are going to kind of scale from one to the other. So week one will be a little lower on the volume side and then by week four or five, wherever you're tailoring off your program will be really close to your maximum recoverable volume. Or you could even finish with an overreaching week where you actually go above that a little bit. But that would have to be followed by a deload. And again, we're going to stick to these specifics for right now, just building your basic programming. And to give you just a general outline for your minimum effective all the way up to your maximum recoverable volume, you're looking at somewhere between 10 and 20 sets. So it might not seem like a lot, but your body really doesn't need that much work each week. This is Remember, this is total week. So 10 to 20 sets per week. Your body doesn't need much more than that or much less than that. Again, we all differ a little bit, especially depending on where we are in our training careers. So newbies are going to be a little lighter on the volume and experts are going to be a little farther along. Now, when you say 10 to 20 sets per week, elaborate on that. Is that per body part? Is that total? That's per body part. And that is over the course of your total workouts. So the most effective workouts are typically hitting each body part twice per week. So if you think about that, if you're on the lower end of that spectrum, that's only five exercises for each body part for each workout if you're doing two workouts per week. Again, it's going to depend on your overall schedule and you know how this is built specifically. But being in that range, it might seem lower than a lot of us are already doing. And for me, myself, it is, it's almost half of what I was doing even just seven months ago. 
But just to kind of give you guys a little feedback, since I've scaled it back and I've upped my intensity, I've recovered much better. My gains are cruising a lot quicker than they ever have. And I'm just, I'm training a lot smarter than I was when I was just going chasing that pump and trying to cram up my volume as high as I could get it. Another thing that's really important is for you guys to track your weekly progressions. I can't tell you how long I was training and in the gym and did not write down my workouts. I did not write down how much weight I used. I just didn't track anything. And I wasn't really progressing at that time, which makes sense because I wasn't ensuring that I was progressing week to week. So I highly suggest you get a notebook or keep it in your phone. One of my favorite ways to do this is use my Gym Gypsy training journal. I think you guys have probably seen me post about it on Instagram before, but it's basically a journal. You can write down your training for the day. You can write down your cardio. You can write down biofeedback, how much sleep you got, your goals for the day, all of that. So I highly suggest that if you like a pen and paper journal, but you can always just keep this logged in your phone or using your Excel sheet with your programming. Um, But if you do decide to get the Gym Gypsy, I have a discount code for you, which is Alessandra. So letter G, G G-A-L-E-S-S-A-N-D-R-A that you can use on their website for a discount. So one of the most important things when we're talking about tracking your progressions is ensuring that your weekly volume is increasing. So from week to week, we want to see some type of progression, and this is something we kind of spell out with all of our clients. So we want to either see you increase the weight that you're using, you're going to increase the number of sets that you're performing each week, or even just something like a better quality movement pattern. So a more efficient movement pattern, focusing on that rep, a better mind-muscle contraction, a little more time under tension, you know, really squeezing each rep to peak that contraction. All of those things, as long as you're excelling in one of those areas, is going to count as some sort of weekly progression. Now, obviously, we want to get as many of those as we can each week, but some weeks are just not, the weight's just not going to move. It's not going to be a lot heavier. So just focusing on the rep or even just bumping up the sets or doing a drop set or a rest-pause set, As long as we're seeing some type of progression each week, that's what's forcing your body to adapt. That's where you're building muscle. That's where you're burning fat and you're improving your overall body composition. So that kind of sums up the training side of things. But one more question that we get constantly is, you know, I get really bored of my workouts each week and I do something different every week. Is that right or wrong? And the answer to that is you want to be keeping the same exercises for at least four to five weeks. But like Josh was saying, upping the volume in some way, you know, progressing weight, sets or reps. Um, But you don't want to change your exercises week to week because then you're not giving your body time to progress and make those adaptations. You know, we heard about muscle confusion for so long and how you have to change every workout and force your muscles to constantly be thinking and never get used to anything. But that's really not something you want to do every single week. The reason being is if your body doesn't get to adapt at some level, if it doesn't get to see what this resistance is and learn how to overcome it, you're never going to adapt to it, which is what causes muscle growth and strength gains. You want to cause that quote unquote muscle confusion after a certain period of time. And it doesn't even have to be crazy. It could be something as simple as just switching up your reps, your rep ranges, or the order of your exercises like we kind of mentioned earlier. But your body has to adapt. It has to get used to the programming for a certain period of time to force that growth before you start switching things up. So again, you get bored. You want to do different Metcons every single day. That's okay as far as you know burning calories, but you're not forcing your body to build muscle and to adapt and to get stronger by doing that. 
All right, so now that we've got a general idea of how to program your training, why don't we dive a little bit into nutrition? So right off the bat, we want you guys to know this is a very generalized guideline to creating your nutrition program. And keep in mind that there are going to be variances and slight differences for everyone because every single one of you is completely different. So we will discuss how to set a baseline for your macros and your body and then cover how to adjust that baseline to start progressing towards your goals. So whether that's fat loss or muscle gain, reverse dieting, or just simply being at maintenance, we're going to talk about how to get there. So step one, you have to establish a baseline. So if you're completely new to tracking macros or you've never tracked your calories and you have no idea what you eat on a daily basis, this is the first thing that you need to do. So the quick way to do this, you can use a generic online calculator if you're totally new to tracking to kind of give you an idea of what you should be eating. I don't personally love this route because it doesn't factor in your past dieting history, which is really important and crucial when deciding on what your calories and macros should be. So that leads us to our second option, which is just simply tracking what you've currently been eating to give yourself an idea of where you're at. So by doing this, don't switch anything up. Try to keep it as consistent as possible day to day and just start weighing out what you're regularly eating. And that'll give you an idea of what the numbers that you've been at are currently doing for your body. So you want to do this for at least two weeks and monitor your daily weight while you're doing this. So we're going to do this for two weeks and you're going to monitor your daily weight. So with the daily weigh-ins, it's not that we want to compare them day to day, but we want to compare the averages over the course of the week. So over those two weeks, we're going to compare those two weekly averages because our bodies are going to fluctuate a lot and that's completely normal. And the, giving us the average is what's going to tell us you know, what our body is actually doing over that period of time. So we're going to take those two numbers, average out the two averages, and that's going to tell us what our body is doing at this current intake. A lot of people don't realize your weigh-ins each day fluctuate based on things like your water intake, your food intake, your digestion, your stress, your hormones, just to name a few things. But that number is impacted by so many things, and it's not solely just fat loss or fat gain, which I think a lot of people see that number on the scale and think, oh, I must have gained two pounds of fat overnight because my number is higher than yesterday. But that's not the case at all. So keep that in mind. Now, looking at what your body has done to respond, we're going to take into account the fact that there are about 3,500 calories in a pound. So let's make the math easy. If you gain an average of one pound per week, your total weekly intake is in a surplus of 3,500 calories. So you're 3,500 calories above maintenance for the week. So to bring that back down to maintenance, you'll have to adjust your daily intake by about 500 calories to establish your true maintenance. If you lose one pound per week, it's exactly the opposite. You're in a deficit and you need to add in 500 calories to establish that maintenance. Now, if you're maintaining body weight throughout this time, then you're already there. You're at your maintenance calories. And from here, we're just going to adjust up or down depending on whether you want to be focusing on muscle gain or fat loss. So from maintenance, you want to make conservative adjustments up or down, like Josh said. So we would say about 250 calories in either direction is a good conservative starting point. And you're probably thinking, well, if I just increase that to 500 calories or even 1,000 calories, won't I lose weight faster? 
You might, but going the fast track here is also not sustainable and you risk interrupting your biofeedback. So things like sleep, stress, hormones, energy levels, all of those things, which are highly important to your overall health. Not only that, but fast weight loss is usually gained back just as fast, which is why we want to take the slow road here and aim to lose about 1% of your body weight per week. Now that 1% number, we've also talked about this in prior podcasts, but that comes into account because we don't want to lose it too fast to avoid losing muscle. So if you, you know, you want to take the fast road, you'd want to double that deficit. If you are losing more than 1% per week, you're probably losing more muscle than you need to. And on the other side of that, if you just want to put on crazy muscle and eat everything in sight, if you're gaining more than 1% per week, you're likely gaining more fat than you need to. And again, both of these are counterproductive. It's going to just, you know, take off more than you want to or put on more than you want to and just add time to the other side of things when you have to cut back down and you want to build back up. You're kind of just spinning your tires, trying to do both things at the same time. And that's something you want to avoid, which you can easily do by just being conservative and keeping it right around 1% per week. These are just general guidelines. As a reminder, everybody responds a little bit differently based on their previous dieting history. So if you've been you know, severely under eating for years and years and years, you probably are not going to respond well to what your calculated maintenance should be. So just know that moving forward and you will have to continue to monitor how you are progressing and make changes as needed. So be patient, don't jump the gun. And this is where coaching could come in handy because it's really hard to view your own progress objectively. So that sums it up. Again, these are general guidelines and there's a lot more you can do to tweak, but if you're starting out or if you're not working with a coach and you just want to know, you know, how to set this up, this is a good starting point. If you can adhere to the programming you set up and you just stay consistent with it, you're going to have results. Even if it's not perfect, if you focus on progression and you focus on consistency, you're going to get a lot closer to where you want to be. Let's dive into the Q&A. Earlier this week on Instagram, Alessandra put up a story and had you guys ask some questions. So for the second half, we're going to answer some of those for you. This is something we'll start doing regularly. So you know that you can always DM us, email us questions, and we'll answer them on this. First up, what brand of supplements do you use? And she was asking specifically protein powder, pre-workout, post-workout, and fat burners. So we really aren't huge on supplements. I think that you should be focusing on diet first, get your nutrition in check, and then there's room for supplements to come after. With that said, there are better supplements out there than others. As far as protein powder, I personally really like the PE Science brand just because it tastes good. Um, So I've been using the vegan one and I just make it into a pudding as you guys have probably seen in my recent full day of eating videos. But I actually don't take any fat burners pre or post workout. Um, It's just not necessary for me. Sometimes I'll have some caffeine beforehand, but it's not an everyday thing. I'm a huge fan of PE Science as well. I actually take a non-stimulant pre-workout from PE Science. Uh, It's called High Volume, and I just use that for a little extra pump. Uh, It just helps stimulate blood flow. It's nothing crazy, but it's something I like taking before I work out, and I'll typically have some kind of caffeine, a coffee, a tea, the occasional monster. But we don't go too crazy with supplements. We spend most of our time focusing on nutrition, which is where you're going to get the majority of your results anyway. Question number two is, how do you track non-typical foods that don't have labels? For instance, Indian food or something you eat at a restaurant. This is something that's going to come up a lot because you're not going to be stuck in your house for every single meal for the rest of your life. 
Uh, we focus on just, if you're in this situation, just a simple guesstimation. And the further along you get into tracking, the better you're gonna do with visualizing portion sizes. So just looking at you know four ounces of chicken, eight ounces of chicken, six ounces of steak, you're gonna be able to see about what that looks like, and then you can just track a basic estimation of that. On the flip side, something like Indian food where you have no idea what the ingredients are or something really complicated is going to be hard to track. So in that case, what I would suggest is just saving a chunk of your calories, maybe like 500 to 800, depending on what the meal is. Save a chunk of your calories from your day, eat around that, and then just don't track that meal. Knowing that you saved some calories for it, maybe you were within that, maybe you weren't. At the end of the day, it's just one meal, and it's not going to make or break your progress. Intuitive eating is a huge part of what we talk about and what we do. And at the end of the day, the very least you could do is just stop eating when you're full. Your body wants to regulate itself. Your body doesn't want to gain weight. It doesn't want to lose weight. If you just listen to it, and you stop eating when you're full, you're gonna stay pretty close. Question number three is, how can I hit my macros on a vegetarian diet? Being on a vegetarian diet will definitely make it a little bit harder to increase your protein and you're probably gonna be higher in carbs. So just manipulating your macros initially, knowing that you're on a vegetarian or vegan diet is something that can help with that. Um, So, you know, being at the lowest range possible of protein intake, you can absolutely hit your calories and your macros on a vegetarian diet. Protein is going to be your biggest holdup. And with that, you might just have to get a little boring with your choices. So if there's a couple things that are higher, you know, like tofu and tempeh, you're going to want to incorporate different recipes that have those things in them. So they're not just the same meal every single time. But you're going to need to utilize those to keep your protein at least on the lower end of the spectrum. Next question is, how do you resist food temptation? And this is a good one because I feel like it's something a lot of people struggle with or think they have to struggle with when they're dieting. But in reality, we don't cut out or restrict any types of foods with our diet. That's the beauty of flexible dieting. So if I want a piece of chocolate or a Christmas cookie or whatever it is, I have it. I don't restrict it. I let myself have it. And if I fit that into my macros, great. If it doesn't fit into my day and I still really want it, I don't limit that and it's just going back to overall consistency and adherence so if you are doing something like this every day and you're going over your macros and eating all these extra things that's a problem but every once in a while if you have this craving for something or if you really want that cookie or pizza whatever it is allow yourself to have it because that is going to reduce your food temptation in the first place if this is a vicious cycle and you're doing this you know it's just every other day every third day or you don't even realize how often you're doing it And still enjoy it, but track it. Figure out something close to what the macros are on it and put it into your app and adjust the rest of the day accordingly. So we often see clients fall into this trap where, you know, I just just want a piece of this, I just want a piece of that. And again, that's completely fine, but you don't get to throw away your whole program because you're stuck on this. So make it work. If it's something you can do once in a while and you're still seeing results, don't worry about tracking it. If it's something you're doing consistently and you're not seeing your results, Put it in there and figure out the rest of your day. I love this question. It's, is strength training more effective for losing fat than cardio? Cardio, like insanity. I used to teach insanity and do insanity probably every day, and my body did not change at all. I've got really good at jumping and doing a lot of high cardio stuff, but it did not improve my body composition. And it wasn't until I started consistently 
strength training and lifting weights regularly that my body changed. I lost body fat. I gained muscle. I just appeared leaner overall. So yes, strength training is more effective for losing fat than cardio. I like this one. How do you prioritize between spending time with family and training? So I would throw in a third caveat into that as well as work. So family training, work, because that balance is tough. So the best thing you can do is figure out a consistent time you can get it in that it's not going to be an issue with scheduling. You know, you got practice with your kids for this or you got to pick them up from that. If you can do it first thing in the morning, that's typically the best way to go. So if you can coordinate that with your spouse or significant other, get it done at the crack of dawn if you need to. You know, whenever you can do it while you're still feeling decent, uh, you can still get a good workout in but it doesn't interfere with anything else. So if you kind of wait for the end of the day or the middle of the day, something's probably gonna come up and something's gonna get it, gonna get in the way of that. So if you can get it out first and not have to worry about anything else coming up later in the day, that's probably the best way to do it and that's something that we've kind of incorporated on our side because just, just with work alone, you know, little things come up throughout the day, you forgot to do this, you have to do that. If you get it done, as soon as you wake up, you eat breakfast and you get down there and get it over with, you could have the rest of the day to handle as you need. Last question. I rarely get sore anymore for my workouts. Should I be sore? The short answer is no. You don't need to be sore after every workout. You don't have to chase that soreness. That's something a lot of people chase. And in reality, being sore does not transfer over to gains. So when you start a new program, if you do a new exercise, if you do an exercise differently, like make it tempo, that's going to cause soreness, but as your body adapts, you're going to recover better and you're not going to be as sore as you were when you started the new training program. So just keep that in mind and know that soreness is not an indicator of a great workout all the time. The indicator of the great workout is progression. So when you see week to week that you're, you're increasing the weight that you're using, you know, if you're at a certain amount of sets, that number of sets is getting easier. You're building muscle, your body's adapting. So soreness has very little to do with it as long as you are progressing and making changes over time that's what tells you everything's going the right way so we're going to wrap up this episode here uh quick favor to ask you guys if you could drop five stars or leave a review on the podcast we would appreciate it it does help us out a lot as a new podcast and getting out there and spreading our message so anything you could do would help and if you're looking for more content you can find me on instagram at josh skutnik what's your tag Alessandra Skutnik, which is kind of a handful, but you can figure it out. <laughs> and SD Evolution. So those are our Instagram handles. Um, we also have YouTube at Alessandra and Josh. And our website, www.sd-evolution.com. This is us signing off. Thank you for listening.